I'm excited to be able to bring the word tonight. I'm thankful that Pastor Miller let me do it. But before I get in the word, I just want to tell this church I love you so much. These last five, six weeks have been hard on me and my family. My wife's had to put up with me more than she ever has. Pray for her. But the way that this church has just loved us, encouraged us, the phone calls, the texts, the food, the et cetera, so much, I pray God blesses you for it, and I want to say thank you. And for all of you that brought me Chick-fil-A cards, you truly know my heart, and God bless you so much. I'm ready to preach, amen? Tonight, I'm going to use a couple different uh, passages from Scripture, and it's my prayer that God will speak to you and I through the Word of God and by His Spirit that our faith would be encouraged tonight. How many of you have ever received a word from God and you're in that period of promise given, but you're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled? Does anyone in here know what I'm talking about? You're in the middle, you're in that gap, you're in that waiting time, in that waiting season. And it feels like that waiting period is never going to end. And I'm praying that what I'm about to share tonight will speak to your heart and minister to you. The first scripture I wanted to talk about is 2 Kings 18, 1 through 7. And it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old when he, was, he had begun to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His, another na- his mother's name was Abby, the, da- the daughter of Zechariah, and he did which was right in the eyes of Jehovah, according to all that David, his father, had done. He removed the high places, broke the pillars, cut down the Asherah, and he broke down in places uh, the brazen serpent that Moses made. For unto those days the children of Israel did not burn incense to it. And he called it uh, Nehoshatan. He trusted in Jehovah, the, king of, the God of Israel, so that after him none was like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among that were before him. For he claved to Jehovah, he put, departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which Jehovah commanded Moses, and Jehovah was with him. Wherever he went forth, he prospered. And I want to jump over to another scripture before we pray. And we're going to talk out of 2 Chronicles 32, 1 through 8. And I want you guys, what I just read to you, remember it as I start out this part. And then after this exemplary track record, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came and attacked Judah. He put the fortified cities under siege, determined to take them. And when Hezekiah realized that Shennacherib's strategy was to take Jerusalem, he talked to his advisors and military leaders about eliminating all the water supplies outside the city. They thought it was a good idea. There was a great turnout of people to plug the springs and tear down the aqueduct, they said. Why should the king of Assyria march in to be furnished with running water? Hezekiah went out to work repairing every part of the city wall that was damaged. He then appointed military officers to be responsible for the people, got them all together at the public square in front of the city gate. And Hezekiah rallied the people saying, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated by the king of Assyria and his troops. There are more on our side than on theirs. He has only a bunch of mere men. We have God to help us and to fight for us. Morale surged. I'm reading out of the message version because I want you guys to hear these next words. And Hezekiah's words Put steel into their spines. Brother Bill, would you pray over the rest of the service tonight, please? Amen. I want to read that last part just one more time. Morale surged, and I want you again to listen to this part. Hezekiah's words put steel into their spines. Tonight, I want to title this Spiritual Steel Spines. To give you a backdrop of these scriptures and what they talked about Hezekiah and some of his great feats as king, the scripture says that he started reigning at a young age, 
And he was considered to be a reformer, a revivalist. And why would I say that? The scripture says that he reopened the temple doors that were shut. He restarted the priesthood that had stopped. And he restarted the Passover that had been stopped. Hezekiah opened many doors and where it seemed like things had been shut down, things had quit and had been forgotten and the temple was no longer functioning. Here comes Hezekiah, this man of God, and he brings God's plan and reopens the temple. And what I love about this, Hezekiah was a young man at the time, a young age, making a big difference still. And I think when we look at Hezekiah in his life, there's something that we can learn from his personal profile. A couple of things that I want to point out before I get to where I want to be. Notice that the scripture says he was a son of Ahaz. Sometimes we often read over these statements in the Bible and we don't really dig into them like we need to, to what they could potentially represent. But if it's in the Bible, guys, it's there for a reason. He was a son of Ahaz. And why is this important? Because you have to understand is that Ahaz was considered to be one of Judah's most wicked kings. But what a moment, what an oxymoron even, when we look at Ahaz, who was considered to be one of the most wicked kings, and then the scripture says, Hezekiah was one of the most faithful kings that ruled in Judah. How can that be? How can you have a son that's a faithful king and a father that's a wicked king? Could it be at some point Hezekiah made a decision that said, I'm not going to let my past prophesy to my future? He said, I'm not going to let what's behind me keep, from, keep me from stepping out in what's in front of me. Despite the fact that I might not have the background, the education, the pedigree, the right name, I may not come from where most people come from, but here and today, I make a decision that I put my faith, hope, and trust in God. You see, we don't have to live as a victim to our past. I can walk in victory of what my future holds. And I want to stop right here quick because we must understand as believers, if you're in here tonight and if you're a Christian, you are believers, is this. There are too many believers that are trying to live in victory, but are walking in defeat. And the problem is we don't really embrace the fact that right now as I stand here, that, we, that if we are in Christ, we are victorious. You need to tell somebody sitting next to you right now, did you hear what he said? If you are in Christ, if you have prayed that sinner's prayer, you are victorious. If we in Christ, we are triumphant. We are not walking to victory, but we're walking from victory. Christ has already conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered the enemy at the cross of Calvary. And what I'm trying to tell you tonight is the enemy would love to get you to think, although that maybe you are triumphant, the, de the devil wants you to take up a victim's mentality inside of you so that you live this life of, oh, woe is me. I can't get there. Uh, golly gee whiz. Get still in your spine and understand that God has called you to something great. And what he's called you to, he's not going to leave you empty-handed to get there. I come here to tell you tonight, we are not a victim of our past. We are not a victim of circumstances. Listen, maybe you don't have what everybody else had. You know, could it be God didn't give you what everyone else had because he didn't give them what he gave you? God may have given them the degree, but he gave you the determination. And what I'm trying to say here is because you came from a bad place does not mean that you cannot walk in good things. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can I get an amen? Your future is brighter than you can even imagine. The Bible said that he didn't make excuses, that, that he didn't accuse anybody. Yet he took responsibility for his life. Hezekiah here and decided, you know what? I'm going to do something great for God. The second thing Scripture tells us that what he did was right in the Lord's sight. I love that part. He did what was right in the Lord's sight. Notice it didn't say he did right in men's sight because Hezekiah was more concerned with his character with God than a reputation with men. He was more concerned, I want to do right in the Lord's sight, and he understood something about the Lord's sight because the Lord's sight is everywhere. In other words, God sees me in private, but he sees me in public too. And what he's trying to teach us is the importance that my public life is not different from my private life. That I don't live one thing in public on Sunday morning, but I'm not living it the same way in my private life on Saturday night. In other words, I don't speak in tongues in the service, but when I get to the uh, waitress this afternoon, I start giving her bad attitude and giving her bad things, etc. because you don't know what kind of day she's had. Sunday morning when you raise your hands and you speak in tongues should be the same attitude in which you approach that waitress at Steak and Shake this afternoon. 
Nobody paid me for that one. In other words, there has to be consistency in the lifestyle that I live. I'm not here to please men. I have been placed here in this time to please God. And if we're not going to, we are not going to compromise the standards from God to fit in in this world. We're not going to lower our standards to be popular because the reality of it is the church is not called to be popular. The church is called here to be on purpose, to carry out the great commissions. And if that means we have to, at the Palace of Praise, go against cultural compromise, then so be it. This is what we as a church are called to do. Can I get an amen? We are not called to fit in. We are called to stand out. We are called to take ground and take territory, but we also have to do it living an authentic life with integrity and for the cause of Jesus Christ. The Bible said Hezekiah relied upon the Lord. This was demonstrated in his prayer life. He relied on the Lord. When Hezekiah faced two major battles, he had uh, Shennacherib, and if I'm saying that wrong, it's not a new McRib at McDonald's, y'all, okay? I just can't pronounce it right. Attacking him on the outside, and on the other time, he had sickness attacking him on the inside. But his response to the attacks that were hitting him on the outside were the same ones that were hitting him on the inside. It was that there was consistent prayer life. The Bible said when he got an evil report from the enemy and how the enemy loves to come and try and intimidate things. The enemy likes to come with bad news. The enemy likes to come with, oh, we love you, but I just need to tell you something. The scripture says that he took that report, and I love this, that he went into the temple. He spread it out before the temple, and the Bible says that he prayed to God over that report. He cried out to God. Hezekiah poured his heart out to the Lord. And I'm just going to jump a little bit to the end of the story, and maybe you know the end of it. But as a result of his prayers, his calling out to God, connecting with God, the Bible says one angel was sent overnight and killed 185,000 men that were coming against them. Because this man's response to problems wasn't complaining. It was prayer. He decided, nope. Prayer is what must be done right here, right now, but it's got to be done tomorrow night. It's got to be done Thursday night. Prayer must be consistent. Our problem, our issues today is we, we need to learn how to take things to the throne of God. When things happen, when things come up, and if they haven't yet, go ahead and praise God. But when and if they do, I haven't said once yet, take it to social media. I didn't say once, put it on Instagram or Twitter or whatever else out there there may be. What we have to do is take it, each and everything in our life, and take it to the throne of God Almighty. We need to learn to take it to the one that can actually do something about it. Why take it to people that can only complain and murmur about it? Why take it to people who are going to nag about it? Church, I don't know about you, but I want to take it to somebody who I know is in total control of the situation. I want to take my needs, my situations, my fears, my concerns, my worries to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer is the vehicle that I bring heaven into everything. Let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer does not inform God. Prayer involves God. God is already aware of everything that you are going through. But at the moment that you open up your mouth and say, God, at that moment you have involved him into the situation where he can start moving. And every time that I pray God into my life, into my situation, into my concerns, where I, where I involve him, at that moment something starts moving. Something starts changing. Someone hear me tonight. Put the phone down. I'm going to give you some great advice I learned in the last six weeks. Stop searching Google for everything. Stop texting. Stop putting it on social media. And what is ever going on in your life, take it to the throne of God Almighty. Take your marriage to the throne. Take your family to the throne. Take your health to the throne. And take your finances to the throne. Take the pressure Take the stress, take the worry, whatever it is, take it to the throne of God because I promise the word of God does not fail. Pour it out before God. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. God will meet you there and I promise you he's gonna be every step of the way. He remained faithful, the Lord says of the scripture. He kept the commandments of the Lord. Church, he remained faithful. He understood, watch this, 
that he remained faithful first to God. He understood that the change had to start with him. He had to model, watch this, what he wanted to minister because he could not take them where he had not been himself. And the change he wanted to see was the change he had to be. He understood that he had to be the example. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 8 says this, they gave themselves to the Lord and then to the people. Hezekiah understood that I can't give them, I can't give myself to them if I first haven't given myself to God. Because if I first give myself to them, then that's all they're gonna get from me. As the kids pastor of this church, if I wanna be successful in Christ, I must first personally die out to what God wants in the kids' ministry. Or all those kids are ever gonna get is me, me, me. But let me explain to every parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, best friend, and everybody else in here, me can't do nothing for them. Because I have to get to God, I've gotta to get to where he gives me something, and then I can turn and share that with them. Because I, if I'm not connected to God Almighty, I have nothing to give to them that will set them up for success in Jesus Christ. I didn't say success on the ball field. I didn't say success in the classroom. All those things are fun, important, etc. But guys, I'll tell you this right now. I don't care if Peyton and Cooper have C's on the report card as long as they are connected to Jesus Christ. My son will not be, I will not be more son of my proud, more proud of my son when he hits a 3-2 curveball, but yet when he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. I'm not against sports, I love sports. But sports is not gonna get my kids to heaven. So if I go to God to be filled up, not just full, but I get filled up so that I can turn and pour into these kids, Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Because away from God I am nothing and nothing can be completed. And Hezekiah said, the change I want to see, I've got to be. What change do you want to see in 2023? What change do you want to see in your family? What change do you want to see in your finances, in your health, you know, on finances? Quit praying the prices go down and you get more discipline in your spending. Get disciplined in your spending and then things will take care of itself. There are so many times we want circumstances to change but it could it be, it's not about your circumstances always changing, but maybe God wants to change you in those circumstances. And if God changes you, you might actually realize what I'm going through is not as bad as it re I really thought it was. My perspective is flawed because what I'm surrounded with because of my refusal to change. But guys, I wanna encourage you tonight by saying, God, whatever you need to change in me, Whatever it is you need to renew in my mind, cleanse in my heart, purge in my spirit, heal in my soul, heal in my body, then God let it come to me. According to your word in Ecclesiastes, it says, until something great happens in you, then nothing great can happen through you. So God, whatever it needs to happen to me, do it so these kids can go to the next level in you. The Bible said as his king, he removed the high places. He shattered the sacred pillars. He cut down the Azra poles. What is so significant about this? Listen to what the scripture says. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him either before or after him. What brought, back, what brought about this uniqueness? The uniqueness that Hezekiah brought this notice when he said, cut them all down. One of the things kings you'll find with the kings is that maybe they only tore some of them down. In other words, they only took a little bit. They also left a little bit there. They got rid of some, but some remained. And the principle I'm trying to give you in this is this, is that he's telling us this, that only some of us want to settle for partial repentance versus complete breakthrough. In other words, I want you to be saved, but I want you to be set free also. I want you to give your life to Christ and surrender him, but guys, you got to hear me. It doesn't just stop at the altar. This altar prepares you to begin a lifestyle for Christ. In other words, you know what, 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 let me give you some scripture instead. John 8, 36. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ Jesus set us free. In other words, it's not the heart of God for us to be bound up believers. Jesus did not partially die on the cross. He did not partially shed his blood, and he didn't partially rise again. And I want to declare to you guys tonight, don't settle for partial breakthroughs in your life. 
You declare over your life by the word of God Almighty that me and my family, we're coming out of this mess. We may not be there right at this moment. We may not have it all together. But in the name of Jesus, we are heading in the right direction. And one day, I'm going to cross over into everything that he has for me. Can you say amen? Jesus didn't come for partial breakthrough. He came that we may have life and have it abundantly. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not, but that he may steal, kill, and destroy. He came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Man, God is a God of restoration. He knows how to restore all the years that the kangaroo worm stole. Church, I don't know about you, but I refuse. Me personally, Mike Lampkin, I refuse to let hell have my best days. I'm going to be like David. When in the book of Samuel, David said, shall I, shall I pursue? And God said, pursue, and you're going to recover all. Guys, in my relationship with God, I'm going for all of it. Give me everything you've got for me, Lord. And Lord, what has been taken away from me, I want that back too. We've got to come to a place in all this say, God, I want my joy back. I want my peace back. I want my happiness back. What the devil took from me, I want that back too. Some of us need to say, I want my marriage back. I want my children back. Make a decision in the battle of your mind. I've been miserable for far too long. I'm not staying anymore. I'm checking out of misery, and I am walking into the joy of the Lord. We're going to take it all back in the name of Jesus. We're not holding back in our prayer life anymore. We're not holding back in our worship. In Jesus' name, we as a body, we are going forward. Amen? The Bible said after all these things, after this tracker, it said this. Did you notice after all of this, the Bible then says Hezekiah was attacked. After all this, after being faithful, obedient, giving, prayer, worshiping, serving, after living for God to the best of his ability, yielding to the Holy Spirit, doing what God has called him to do, what the heck, he got attacked. Hezekiah, any one of us in here could say that tonight. My reward is an attack? Come on, be honest for a minute. How many of us haven't felt like that in our own walk with Christ? God, I'm serving. God, I'm giving. What the heck, God? I thought everything was all right, but now this? But I said, you know what? Let me say this to you. Oftentimes, attacks are not indications of what you're doing wrong, but they could be confirmations of what you're doing right. Let me tell you something. Unusual attacks are often strategic fights because they are preparing you not for what you've done wrong, but they're preparing you for what God's about to do in your life. You might see it as an unusual attack, but really it's a strategic fight. You see, a lot of times the, Bible, the battle in the Bible intensified oftentimes where people were getting ready to cross over. When they were getting ready to step into something new, when they were getting ready to take new territory, the battle intensified. And this was an indication that, you know what? I'm right where I need to be. And you know what? One perspective could have been this. Let me go back to earlier. Oh, well, with me. Oh, golly. Man, the devil's been after me all week, but bless his holy name. Do you ever think about it when you say it that way? Really? But you know what? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's everything I've gone through the last few weeks. But you want to know my perspective of it right now? You want to know my perspective of it, Brooks? Here's my perspective. Why not? Let's go. Let me put it to you this way. Here's my perspective of getting things going, of being my perspective right with Christ. Josh, are you back there? Can you play that video for me? Wrestling fans, are you For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world from the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! 
You might find that funny, but guys, that's my perspective of right now. I don't care what battle I got to go through next. And when you go through a battle as my brother and sister in Christ, I'm coming by and I'm locking arms with you. Pastor, I'm locking arms with you when we go through things. And you know what I say? Let's rumble. Let's do this. One of the first things I said when I got some bad news and all of this, I was with Pastor Miller. And I said, Pastor, I feel like I'm just getting kicked around. You know what he told me? Let's kick back. Let me tell you something about the enemy real quick. Church, the devil knows he cannot, he cannot defeat you. The only thing he can do is distract you. How can, because how can he defeat you when what's in you won't die? Because if Jesus is in you, if the Holy Ghost is in you, then he can't kill it. Because it's not going to die. The devil cannot defeat what cannot be defeated. Greater is he that is in me than what is in the world. The devil can't defeat me, so he is out to distract my mind, my family, and my ministry and get me focusing on the wrong things. But I personally declare in here tonight in Jesus' mighty name, in the name above all names, no more distractions at the palace of praise. No more distractions in this temple. No more distractions in the marriages that are getting attacked around here. No more distractions in our families. If you've got to block them on Instagram, then block them. If you've got to get off social media, get off of it. It ain't doing you no good anyway. If that HBO stuff is messing up with you, get it out of your house. Go home tonight and declare as you walk into your house, the devil, you have no authority here. No more distractions. And he says this, he came to the people. The people were like, we're doing good. This just happened. I love Hezekiah. He says it's all good. Like a great leader, he says, let me rally the troops. He said in the, in, in the Chronicles, everybody is getting together. Hezekiah said, I'm going to make an announcement. Hezekiah says, I've got a word from the Lord. He said, it's all good. Fear not. Be not afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. There is more with us than is with them. That's why I'm using the message translation for this part tonight. And the Bible said when Hezekiah spoke these words, morale surged. You guys are at home and you're going through things and you, you just want to, you're wondering why you're battling all these things. Open up the word of God and start speaking it out loud in your life and watch the atmosphere change real fast. And when a morale surged, something in there went off. It hit them right in the gut. It hit everyone. Not just some, but everyone. It hit the men. It hit the young people. It hit the women. Morale surged. And the Bible said the words of the king sent steel into their spines. In other words, when God spoke and when God gave them a word, despite the opposition, the adversaries and hardships, instead of wearing, they held on to the word of God. And the word filled them with such faith, with such tenacity and zeal, nothing changed about the situation that they were getting ready to go through. But they said that now God has spoken to us. Now that God has given us a word, we know everything's going to be all right. I know it may not look like it. It may not feel like it. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself in here. Maybe everything that's surrounding you, you don't, you don't, it doesn't resemble the promise. Maybe it even looks like the exact opposite. But I want to remind you of those things that God has said over your life and what the Bible says. And all of that is still intact. And all of that is designed to put steel into your spine. If the worship team would go ahead and come, please. It's designed that you and I can say, I'm going to be steadfast, immovable, continuing to bound in the work because what I am doing, what I'm doing, it's not in vain. It's just a matter of time. We as a church and individuals are not going to get weary in will-doing. And if you see your brother or sister in Christ going through a struggle, don't go around and ask them 3,000 questions. Just put your arm around them and say, you know what? You're my brother, you're my sister, and while you're going through this, I'm going to hold you up. We're going to fight it together. And then we can all say the same thing together. God's got this. He said their, sp their spines were like steel. That means when I got God's word over my situation, it meant I'm going to be composed even under chaos. I'm going to be poised even though I am pressured. I'm going to be relentless in adversary because I didn't get just a speech. I didn't get just some vocabulary. I didn't just get words to hype me up. 
When I got the word of my heavenly father concerning my situation, I love what the New King James Version says. Not only did steel enter their spines, but they also rested. You wanna know why they could rest in that moment? Because God's word is reliable. It says, the word shall not return unto me void, but it shall prosper where I send it to. It shall accomplish what God meant for it to. And I can tell you why God's word is reliable because when he sends its word, it's on a mission and it will not come to him until the mission is accomplished. The mission is not impossible. Guys, if ever right now, this mission that we are on, the Great Commission, it is possible. How do you know that? How do you keep believing that? Because there was a man named Jesus and the Bible said in the beginning, he was the word and the word was with God. And then God sent Jesus into the world and he was on a mission to redeem mankind. So even though he was thrown into a grave, he was beaten to a bloody pulp, he hung on the cross and demons danced and the devil started throwing a party because it looked like it was all over. I wanna tell you, Jesus could not stay in that grave because the word had to get back to God and not return void. His word is reliable. His word is eternal. Psalms 119.89, forever is my word settled in heaven. And what God has settled in heaven, listen to me. What I'm saying tonight, what was settled in heaven, earth cannot change. I don't care what laws get passed next. I don't care what Washington DC might think up next. I don't care what culture says. I'm not concerned what people may think about me. Church, what God has settled in heaven Earth cannot change. Let me say it clear and loud. God's word over your life, it's settled. You are his. He's not giving up on you. He's not quitting on you. His promises all of a sudden become void. He's gonna be there every step of the way through everything that we're going through. People can't change that. Family can't change that. No one can. What God has settled, no one can change. The Bible said when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, the scripture says, come to me. And I noticed that Peter said, Lord, if it's your bid, then say it. Let me, let me know. And I had this thought, Peter didn't ask to walk on water. He asked to come to the Lord. And anyone else ever thought of it that way? And could it be that Peter understand that all the Lord has to do is speak? And church, I don't care what's in between where I am and where God is. And if I come into agreement with the word, I can do things that I normally couldn't. And it comes down to Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I come into agreement with Christ, I have now come into the power of agreement with God Almighty over my life and what God has settled in heaven, it cannot be changed. When I come into agreement with the word of God, I'll be able to do things I never could, not because of me or my ability, but because of the faith and obedience that I've gotten the word of God. Tonight as the worship team is playing, I want us to come into agreement. What was settled in heaven, it can't be changed. What God has put on this body, on us as individuals, nothing in this town can stop what God's gonna do. Tonight, we gotta reach the throne of God. What I need is I need some prayer warriors, Pastor, Josh, Zach, whoever could, if you would come up this way, please, just here in the altar area, anybody that wants to. Tonight, if you're saying, Pastor Mike, I need God for my family. I need God for my ministry. I need God for my children or my grandchildren. I need God for my healing. I need my God for fill in the blank, whatever it is. Whatever it is, as this worship team starts singing here in a moment. If you're saying, Mike, I gotta get to the throne of God tonight, and when I leave, I want steel in my spine like what Hezekiah was talking about, that I have faith that even though it may not go the way I want, that God's gonna be there with me every step of the way and see me through this. If that's you tonight, I'm asking right now to respond to this altar call. Come on, guys. I need God for my family. If that's you, come here right now. 
If I need God for my ministry, for my healing, for my finances, whatever it is, find somebody here at the front. We're going to pray with you right now.
Now, everybody look at me real quick. Have you got it? Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's multiple things. And I believe by faith the Lord just showed you what they were. Maybe it's a spirit of lust. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's deceiving yourself. Whatever it is, things came to your mind. Now, you say, Josh, this is, this is an issue for me. How do I overcome it? Because this is what we're going to do right now. I want everybody to raise your hand again one more time. This is how you get victory. I want you to pray on your own, but let me just give you some basic instruction. Number one, repent of it. Because you came into an agreement with the liar, the devil. Whether you meant to or not, you came into agreement with a liar. Repent of it. Number two, declare and reject that lie. Put him on notice and reject the lie. Plead the blood over your life and declare that by the power of the Holy Spirit, no longer does this thing have control. That's called faith. So let's do that. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we repent of these things that you brought to mind. We do not have to walk around in defeat. We can actually, according to the scripture, we can actually approach the throne of grace with boldness. And God, right now, we cry out for grace. We cry out for mercy. We repent of these things that you have shown in our mind. We reject the lie and the trick and the deceit of the enemy. No longer do we want to walk around in defeat. We reject it in Jesus' name. And God, we submit those very areas that once had us bound. We submit them to your Lordship. And we choose because of your grace and you operating in our lives, God. We are going to walk in freedom. We are going to walk in power. We are going to walk in joy once again. Somebody say amen in the house. One more time, lift your hands. And would you just worship the Lord as we get ready to dismiss? Would you thank him? Would you thank him? Some of you are saying, yeah, Josh, I've done this before. Is it real? Did it happen? Absolutely it happened if you'll walk in it by faith. He has zero power over you. Zero control over you. That's what we're shouting about. Somebody say amen. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, as we're dismissed and as we go home, we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace and your mercy. We're thankful, God, that we truly can be overcomers. We truly can be overcomers, all because of what you've done for us on the cross. God, you've been so good. God, you have been so good. We give you thanks and we give you praise for those that were touched here tonight. And God, we pray as we go about the rest of this week, Lord, that we would just flow in that freedom that you set us free tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Amen. You're dismissed.